So I, I showed the slide last time I was here for those three or four that were here. They're here this time because it was the middle of summer and it was a hot, hot Sunday morning. And there were, were quite as many, about a third of what you have here today. But who am I? It's good to know who you are. So I'm Richard. I am a child of the king. I am my wife's spouse for the last 48, almost 49 years. We have three grown adult daughters who are all married. We have six grandchildren. I'm a retired pastor after 39 years in ministry. Last, last pastorate was up at Rose Valley in Kelso, so not far away. Spent some time at Silverton. Judy and I planted the church at Heastill Friends, oh, 25, 30 years ago. And we spent 20 years in Kansas. So we were, in the, we were literally in the wilderness for a time. Uh, <laughs> and most importantly, and, and like each of you, I'm servant of God. We come into relationship with him, we become a servant. And that's just a real joy and glory. This was something last year from yearly meeting that uh, Matthew Cork spoke. And it's just the idea that do what you can where you are with what you have. God will supply the rest. He calls us beyond our abilities. He calls us to do things we can't accomplish on our own. He will, what, Judy? Oh, well, I'm not there yet. We, we, <laughs> how many of you guys are married? How many of you guys have help? <laughs> but, but understand this is important because the help generally is really needed. <laughs> um, but it's the idea that God will try us beyond our abilities because he wants to come in and manifest himself to us and to the world through us. We move into, that seems like I missed a slide. Did I miss a slide on that? Yeah, there we go. Christ in you, the Father's plan, Romans eight twenty six through 30. Interesting set of scriptures, often taught in a variety of ways, with a variety of implications, and I'm going to kind of give you mine this morning. So the opening scripture is, The same way that the spirit, in the same way the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Now those are interesting statements, aren't they? What does this mean? I got to really thinking about this uh, again the last couple days, and it really struck me: Have you ever been in a situation? where you know something's happening, or you're in such a situation where you don't have words for it? Have you been there? I thought back. When my wife and I were first dating, first knew each other, we went to the L.A. County Fair. Anybody been to that? Probably not. Oh, you have? Okay. It's a big fair, you know. And we went every year. I mean, best thing about the fair for when you were in school, I grew up in Pomona, which is where the fair was, you got a free ticket to go to the fair. On the first Friday of the fair, you got a ticket, and they closed school early to send all the kids. It was terrific. But the best part of it, besides all the stuff to look at, was the fun zone. Huge fun zone. And through the day, full of families and kids and all kinds of stuff. And I loved it before I knew my wife, because we went, I went there from when I was little until, well, till we moved. And it was just a lot, of, a lot of fun. Just the name fit perfectly. 
But along about 6.30 or 7 in the evening, the demographic of the crowd changed. It went from families and young folks just having a wonderful time to young folks and teenagers and older folks showing up. And they were there for a different kind of fun. It wasn't the same. Uh, It was, when I was there, a much tougher town than I think it is even today. And so you just got this sense, it's time to leave. Nothing happened, didn't see anything, but you just knew it was, you don't want to be here anymore. You ever had that feeling? You just get that sense, and it's like, time to leave. we got to get out of here. It's, it's done. The other example I have is that after we've been married for a while, we have kids at home, I could come back and walk in the door and understand something's happened. Nothing's out of place. There's no blood. There's no violence happening among the kids. Judy hasn't said a word to me, but you know something has happened. Not a positive thing. This is the kind of sense I think that we're talking about here. We enter into situations in our life within those processes, and God tells us, It's time to do something. The Holy Spirit goes before the Lord when we know we need to pray, when we know the situation is such that I don't have a word for it. I don't have an insight for this, God. You need to supply this, and he does. Jesus knows us so deeply that he takes care of that through his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks on things we can't express because he knows us, and our weakness drives that. Because we don't have that ability, that wisdom, that, that pure cognizant ability to manufacture the words necessary to speak them to God as we think we ought to. Isn't that wonderful that we don't have to worry about that? The Spirit of God is there and ready to handle that for us. And he searches the hearts, knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Wow. It's the Holy Spirit who searches us. It's the Holy Spirit who knows the mind of God. And it's the Holy Spirit who goes before us and intercedes according to my will? No, to God's will. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to really think hard, is this what God wants me to do? If you don't know, the Spirit knows, and he will lead you and guide you as you grow closer to God and know him more fully. The Spirit is able to intercede for you in ways that you can then understand because you've grown closer to God and he knows you. The Holy Spirit does this really in four kind of major areas. He enlightens us. He brings us truth. And wisdom. He teaches us what to pray. He leads us into that moment. More than once I've had the occasion to pick up a phone or knock on a door to a person that I had no reason as to why to do that, or been approached on the street to do that. For no good apparent reason. It's God. It's the Spirit bringing the world to you because you are his embodiment in this world. You are the body of Christ. You are what the world sees as the salvation of the world. Is that scary? 
Are you glad that's not in your power, but it's the Holy Spirit that does that? What a relief. But what a, what a, 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 all a fear-invoking responsibility that we do have to understand that, is, that we are the conduit of hope and grace and salvation that the Holy Spirit uses to reach his world. We're to be active and part of that. It's the sanctifying spirit. It's the one who moves us into the reality of what God wants us to become. That progressive time of us moving to understand where God wants us to live and to relate and how to do that with the world that we're in. To turn our backs on some of those things that we've done in the past. To move us into the relationship that he has. He's our comforting spirit. It's just that sense of being held by the hand of God. When times are difficult and when times are wonderful, the Spirit holds us close. He comforts us at only times that he can do that. And the Spirit searches our heart. And and I'm going to put a little caveat on this one, in that he searches our heart when we're willing to be searched. Because until we're willing to be searched, we don't hear him. If you're not willing to open that up and have the Spirit explore who you are, then you have problems. As friends, it's really one of our hallmarks, ideally. That time of quiet that we can experience as a friend is this aspect of knowing God through the Spirit. It's being quiet, because there are times in the absolute dead of quiet that God will speak, and you only hear those things from him. They can speak at those moments to you when you're quiet enough to listen. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Let me read that one more time. And we know That's a pretty affirmative statement. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. This is one of those verses that is taught a whole lot of ways. This is one of those verses that is utilized to push particular theological agendas, and it's unfortunate that that happens. I, 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 love, I love this verse in that we need to understand that the things that happen are not good, but the result of those things can be worked out for good. And I've told this story before, and I, 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 I'm sure I didn't tell last time I was here, but we had two families in the church in Kansas, and they both lost their teenage daughters in accidents, very close together. And um, it wrecked one of the families, and I'm going to say understandably. I mean, she was 15 years old. It was Christmas Day. She'd gotten a car from her grandma and was driving it home, an, an old used Honda and was hit in an intersection. It wasn't her fault. Her two little brothers and her mother were with her. All were in intensive care when I got to the hospital. There were about 100 people there. That almost ruined that family. 
in a very real sense, in some ways did. They were just never the same. And you wouldn't be the same. But, but they, they were never able to fully deal with it and accept the fact that God wanted their life to go on. Not that there wasn't deep sadness and hurt, because there always will be. You don't ever get over that, okay? But you're able to live with it, and God will use that. The other family, they were the ones who came alongside them because it had happened to them a year prior. They were the ones who were able to go to families of loss, and they did that. It became a ministry for them that lost young folks to whatever the reason was. And, and for them, the hurt was still just as deep as the other family. They missed their daughter so much. In fact, I remember at the funeral, he had three daughters, just, just like I do, so I, I can relate to him. And he said, my girls were earth, wind, and fire, their personalities. The three elements, you know. And I can so appreciate, because mine are kind of like that. They're kind of like earth, wind, and fire. But he saw a greater sense of God's use for his life to move forward, to be able to utilize those things. God will work those things out for you for good, through you into others' lives most of the time. God breaks us from sin, weans us from the world, transforms us for heaven. Sanctification. These good old words from the last century that we throw around, sanctification, justification, you know, it's just getting changed the way God wants you to change, and he'll do the changing if you're open to the change. For those he's called, he has a purpose. Do you feel like you have a purpose this morning? You know, I've, I'm in my seventh decade. Here I am. And this is just a little piece. I love this, by the way. We, we have a group that meets in our condo. Now, it's just 18 folks, we meet every Wednesday night a month, and we get to pour ourselves into those folks. And it's just changed the atmosphere of the condo, because these people interchange in a way they never have. They've been there 40 years, some of them, and they've never been in each other's homes, other than passing at the post box and saying hi. They just have minimal interaction until we started meeting once a month on Wednesday nights. And it's been wonderful, that interaction that we have, the ability to do simple things in life, to share life, and they begin to see the life of Christ in you in that interaction, and it changes the lives and it changes the situation. He has a purpose for your life. It's to live in this world the way he wants you to live, fundamentally. And in that process, you get to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ of salvation because people will ask you. They see the difference in your life, and they're going to want to know why. They may not say, well, what's the di- what, why are you handling it that way? Or, or what is it in your life? They're, no, they're going to want to talk to you about things about themselves. And you'll have the opportunity to share. We are privileged sons, and I'm of a generation that used sons and daughters, but we're as children. We are privileged children of the king. We are co-heirs of the kingdom. It's who we are today. And we can live in that with the assurance that he's there and ready. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. We're the many. We are the many. 
And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. And this is very much to me the nut of the process here. Make sure I'm in the right place. Yes. Whole idea of being predestined, or the whole idea of foreknowledge that God has for us. He foreknew you. Does that mean that some are condemned forever or in heaven forever? No. He just knew who would accept his offer of grace. Time is irrelevant to God. He had an idea of what would happen out there. And for those who come into fellowship with him, they were predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. It has always been the plan of God that we be conformed into the image of Jesus. That's the plan. There's not a plan B. That's plan A. Okay? There's no other way to go but to be conformed into his image. That's always been his plan. Now, it's offered to all. All don't receive that. All don't walk in that. But it is his plan. It's how it works. And it's consistent through Scripture on that. His plan is to know us, to conform us to his image, to send Jesus as his firstborn, because we are going to ha- what's going to happen to us happen to him. We will die at some point. We will be resurrected at some point. We will go into the presence of the Father at some point. We will, however, not rule on the right-hand side of God. That's Jesus' place. But we will be there. That's who we are. That's what we've been called to do. And we're called. God is constantly calling us. He's even calling us in our state of salvation. You read Romans 3.20 so often. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if you hear me, I'm going to come in and we're going to dine together. That's my loose translation, but it's very accurate. He's t- we use that so often in evangelism and talk about we're going to the world. God's there. He's knocking on the door. He's talking to you. He wants to be with you all the time. He wants to dine with you all the time. He wants to share life with you all the time. He's right there. Right there. This has always been God's plan. Always been God's plan. Since the creation of the world, he wanted it with Adam and Eve. He wanted it with Abraham. He wanted it with Moses. He wanted it with Noah. He wanted it with all of them. Always been his plan. His way is perfect. The gospel calls us from self and earth to God and heaven. It calls us to that. The power of corruption is broken at conversion. The guilt of sin is removed 